Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Liz Faircloth. Thanks for being on the show, Liz. Absolutely, Whitney. Glad to be here. Uh, you may recognize that name, Faircloth. Matt, her husband, was on the show, WS25. I would encourage you to go back and listen to him as well and learn a little more about their story. But I'm excited to have Liz on. I believe she's really the brains behind the entire operation. So I'm <laughs> excited to have her on. So she's co-founded the DeRosa Group in 2005 with her husband, Matt. Company controls close to 400 units of residential commercial assets throughout the East Coast. As chief advisor with DeRosa Group, she has helped build their portfolio to owning and managing apartment buildings, multifamily, mixed-use buildings, and commercial buildings throughout the East Coast. She's also the host of the Real Estate Invest Her Show, a podcast providing straight talk along with inspiration for existing and aspiring women investors to live both balanced and financially free lives. The Liz Thank you again for your time and being on the show and providing just your expertise to the listeners. Give them a little more about your background, you know, maybe how you got into this business. And, and then, you know, I want us to dive into your your expertise of the team building and just the business that, you know, you are helping manage, you know, on the backside that I know a lot of people, you know, don't see probably, you know, a lot of the things that you're doing that are so crucial and so important. And I want to dive in. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so my husband and I met and we got introduced to Robert Kiyosaki, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like a lot of people, right? That's kind of like sometimes the, the seed that begins it all for a lot of investors, or it seems to be. We were young. We got started in our mid-20s, and we weren't even married yet. And we just started talking about our life and what we wanted out of life. And neither of us came from anyone that had ever you know, invested in real estate. My husband's parents kind of dabbled in it, and so did my dad dabble in it a little bit. you know. And so we had a little bit of an example, but nothing where they were building a business around it per se. It was like one or two rental properties. But we always kind of wanted more. We wanted to really create a business. We started taking courses in real estate. We're like, this is really interesting where you can really make a difference in transforming houses and homes and buildings and actually doing well for yourself and building that kind of passive stream. So we knew nothing. We took a bunch of courses, you know, joined a local RIA, read a bunch of books and made a goal to buy our first property within a year. And that's what we ended up doing. That year kind of came and gone. And we actually found it by calling the for rent ads on the, you know, I sound like I'm 90 years old, but, you know, back in the day, it was like 2004, you know, our smartphones were not anywhere. We didn't have them, you know, obviously. I think cell phones, we had cell phones, but it wasn't anything like we have today. So anyway, we opened the newspaper and called, we heard from one of the workshops to call for rent ads because it's a great strategy to find landlords that might be frustrated that their units are vacant. So we did that and people would hang up on us and not even be interested in talking to us. And then after tons of calls and like a few months, someone said, yeah, I'll meet with you. So we're like, ooh, this is awesome. So we're super happy that finally someone would meet with us. And uh, it was a duplex in a little town called Roxborough right outside of Philadelphia. My husband was living in West Contra Hawken right outside of Philadelphia and I was in New Jersey at the time. So we went by, a bit of a mentor at the time, he came with us. And made an offer, and that was our first investment property, duplex. We don't own it still, but we did well with it. We ended up having to evict both tenants, but it was good learning. And we ended up selling it a couple of years later and doing a 1031 into more rentals in New Jersey and building our portfolio in Jersey. But that was the impetus for us kind of you know, getting into the business and 
took a loan out. We financed it by taking a loan out from my father. We didn't have any of our own money in the first deal even. We've put our own money into deals since then, but learned a lot and you know grew from there. Wow. So, but you all have been in real estate ever since then, right? Yes. Yeah. And so, but you also, you've been in the corporate world as well. I have. Yeah. So we decided at that point just to, you know, give a quick snippet. So at the time we then got married in 05, we moved to New Jersey and my husband was kind of tired. He was working as an engineer at a company and just said, I'm done with my job. I just really want to focus on real estate. And at that point we had like a handful of rentals, right? Nothing that was going to feed us necessarily, but it was a start. So we had had a little bit of experience. And then I said, well, when I keep working, I enjoy my job. I enjoy my work so I can support us and someone can make sure we get our mortgage paid and all that good stuff. And it's just the two of us for many years. We didn't have kids until much later. But so I decided to keep working and him to quit his job. And but we did it together. Still, I was still involved and I would be kind of the sounding board or what have you. But I did consulting for about 12 years around team building and management consulting. So helping companies put the right people in the right seats pretty much. So that's, that was my personality kind of assessment. So we would kind of assess people's strengths and weaknesses and all that good stuff. So that was my corporate work for many, many, many years. So assessing people's strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, we'll get into some of that. And I'd love to hear too, just so that, you know, about that transition while you were working, that decision of saying, okay, Matt, you're going to leave your job. You know, we're going to pursue this business. And I like how you said, you know, you're doing it together, even though it's like, he's over here doing this while you're bringing home the bacon, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it was an interesting decision because at the time, my husband was doing really well financially. He was in sales. He was on the track of being a manager. And he had this whole path ahead of him. That site would say, you know, Matt, if you want this corporate path, it's yours. And he's like, no, I don't. He had the company car and all that stuff. And he just didn't want that life. And, and neither me. And we just wanted something different and something more. So we, at the time, could have moved into, you know, a home where we both could have afforded together. But we decided to move somewhere that he literally made nothing. I can handle the mortgage on my own with what I was kind of bringing home. And we were there for many years. It was probably one of the best decisions we made. We didn't overspend at that time. We kind of cut back and just kind of was very mindful of how we spent so that my husband could quit his job. You know, we're not big into material stuff. You know, we did move. We actually just moved last year from that, our starter home, just because we were more about where we want to be versus having some lifestyle that we can afford today that wasn't as important to us when we were young, for whatever reason. I know that's not everyone's goals, but for whatever reason, that wasn't of importance to us. We really wanted to build something that was going to be bigger than us one day. Very smart. No, I, I love that because what Dave Ramsey says, I live like nobody today so you can live like nobody else later or something like that. You know, it sounds like you all did that and it's paid off instead of having all that stuff now and, and just stretching yourself. It sounds like that was just an excellent decision but also because if the real estate thing didn't work out, you can still support the family. Yep, exactly. And you know, there was many years, I mean, some people accelerate really well in this business. You know, they've been in it for a year and they own like 500 units and they're just doing amazing. And that's awesome. That wasn't our path. Our path was we tried a lot of different things and we had those failures and then we'd have some wins and then we'd be like, let's do more of this and let's not do this. So we've been through and through various areas of this business through the years. So we were figuring it out, you know, we were young, we had no experience, you know. So, I mean, my husband was an engineer because, he, you know, he's a smart guy, but still this business can get beat up a bit if you don't know what you're doing. So that took us some time to get into a stride of, okay, this is what we want to focus on, more like apartment buildings, multifamily. That was our, really our focus for early on. And then we've grown that 
really well over the years, but not every aspect of real estate was like that for us. We did have those struggles and those challenges and we did lose money at times and that, that could be tough. But you get through it by, okay, constantly reevaluating and saying, what's working, what's not? And let's really focus on what's working and let's let go of what's not. So it's a constant evolution. So Liz, you know, your background in the corporate world, you were consulting, you were you know, an expert in team building, assessing, you mentioned assessing people's strengths and weaknesses. And it seems like, you know, such a good skill or somebody to have in your all's group, you know, those skills that you have building your all's team in this industry. And so I'd like for you to elaborate on how that has helped your all's business and help us to assess some of our team members or when we're hiring team members from maybe the first people that we need to hire in this syndication business, some of the first people that we need to have on our team, and maybe some of the couple of the top important hires or and how we need to hire them. Yeah. So it's interesting because I, I did a lot of personality assessments, right? Personality, sort of like what is someone's core strength? There's a lot of things that make people successful. There's their skills, their knowledge, their experience, but there's always this part of people that you know helps them be successful, but you can't see it on paper all the time, you know? And so that's really what I kind of specialized in, in terms of like where we apply it to our business. So Obviously, I had my husband take this assessment. I mean, obviously, when I first met him, because it was actually, it was my work, right? So I had to have, you know, practice analyzing the, and it was a very analytical tool. So I had him take it. Was this before you were married? Before we were married. Oh, so I'm like, I got to no know pressure. what I'm getting into. I know, right? <laughs> and my husband's pretty authentic and open with his strengths and things that he's not good at. So me sharing this is not a big deal, but he's a very charismatic guy. He's very extroverted, right? He likes people. He likes to be with them. He's a collaborator in a lot of ways. He's not as detail-oriented. He's a smart guy. He knows stuff, but he's not someone who wants to get bogged down in a lot of detail. So what ends up happening is that someone like that is a visionary, right? They get excited by new things. So I've helped him over the years assess what his strengths are and also the areas that, I don't want to call them weaknesses, but there's always those areas in our personality that we have to watch out for and we have to manage to. So we either have to build a team around or a system around or a process around or something in all of our personalities that if we don't watch out for or just keep an eye on, it's going to bite us you know, later. And that could be any personality. You can have the most dominant, self-confident person who you know, that too much kind of use, so to speak, can also come back to bite them. So what I mean is to know your strengths. Really like take some of these assessment tools. The one that I worked with was called the Predictive Index. There's some great ones out there. Colby, StrengthsFinder, you know, don't take some quiz online for free. Do something that costs some money. It's not always, it's like 50 bucks, 100 bucks, never that expensive. But do something where you figure out what you're like a genius at, what you're really good at. And what we found, especially in the syndication business, is there's a lot of roles, but there's three roles that we built our team around. One is the hunter. You always need someone or a team finding new opportunities if you're looking to grow, of course. So that's a role that you need to fill. And then there's behaviors that somebody needs to have in order to be a hunter. Like logically, you don't want someone who's passive to be in that role, right? Hunting would mean you have to be a little more aggressive, a little more of a self-starter. It's not always the most likable person either, but we only have a short time here. I don't want to get into too much detail. The second role is somebody who's the brains. And what we mean by the brains is really someone who is analyzing the deal, underwriting the deals, keeping the business functioning, right? The kind of the helm of that syndication business or that apartment building business. People always see the, the folks on YouTube and someone like my husband who's definitely managing things, but he's definitely more of the third role, which is the money, 
not that he has all the money, but he is the one that's raising money, right? And that's where a lot of people get into syndications. Unless you're endowed with a lot of money, which is amazing, a lot of syndicators will raise money to put funds together to go buy apartment buildings. It's not you know, rocket science, but somebody needs to be kind of like the leader of that. And that's a different behavioral capacity. You don't want somebody who's the brains, that behavior to be as a raising money person. That would not be a good thing. You don't want the raising money person finding, I mean, so it's all connected, but it's all separate too. You know, obviously there's a lot more roles to that than just those three, but we've really thought about it around like, okay, who needs to be which? And then how do we build teams around those three segments, so to speak? So one's kind of like the business, the brains, the business functionality, one's the deal finder. So there's almost like they're connected to the underwriting because they have to make sure the deals are, are going to be part of our criteria. And then there's that raising money part of it in being doing your due diligence, take care of investors' money and what have you. So, and then those three people are very different. Their personalities are different. So the other tip I'd share is that you have to have different styles working well together, but you have to have diversity. If you have three analytical people, that's disastrous. Or you have three dominant people. You know, if you have all of very similar styles, that's when teams don't work. The biggest challenge though, Whitney, I've found is that people are attracted to people like themselves. So we go to networking events, we go to conferences. And if you're somebody who is extroverted, you tend to connect with extroverted people. You don't connect with very scientific engineering type people because they're not as chatty as you, yet they're the people that you actually need. You need the analytical critical mind with the more extroverted person, especially in syndication. I mean, that's hands down. Like if you don't have that, I think, I don't know how you're able to run the business. There's always someone who's analytical on a syndication team and what I've seen at least. It's a must. It's a must. I mean, yeah, it's a requirement. It's a requirement, right? But yet people don't always get the heaviness of the analytical side of the business. I don't think. I think they see the, wow, you can get into big apartment buildings. That's great. Let me just jump in. Like it's just not as simple as that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate you laying out those three roles. And it was the hunter, the brains and the money. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. In my business or, or, you know, like the listener, they're getting started in this business. The money is a lot of times, like you said, where a lot of people start, right? Mm-hmm. What's going to be the, the next person we should be looking for or to partner with? And I mean, I would think probably the analyzing or the brains, you know, or are you going to share some of those roles maybe initially? Or would you say, you know, I really want to find this person that's going to assume those roles so I can just be focused over here? It's a really good question. I mean, so I'll just share our own experience. So for many years, we were buying small multis. We'd buy a 10 unit. We grew very steadily. We didn't go from zero to 500. Like that wasn't our path per se. That's other people's path sometimes, but it just wasn't ours. We grew very slowly and steadily in terms of our kind of rental portfolio. So we went from literally like a 10 unit, then an 18 unit. Then we did jump to a 49 unit. And really my husband was at the helm of underwriting that deal, analyzing everything. He wore all three of those hats. He actually had someone helping him find the deals, but he wore the brains and the raising money hat. And at that point, we knew we wanted to get into bigger buildings. And you have to look at yourself because in a lot of ways, you're like, okay, I can underwrite, right? Because if you're building a portfolio, you've been in this business, you can underwrite deals. You know how to analyze deals. And that's a skill you need to know. But then you're getting into like a 200 unit building. Well, that's a different underwriting skill set. It's like almost like going from the minor leagues to the pro, right? You know, you can underwrite, but it's a whole different level. And when talking with my husband, he's like, I can do it and I'm good at it, but I don't know if I'm as good as someone who that's what they literally live and breathe and that's what they do. So he knew he needed someone to help him 
from that perspective, from more of that like truly underwriting perspective. And that's when he connected with someone, one of our partners now in our, our syndication business, his name is Ben, great guy, super analytical. And he came in to underwrite and really, you know, was in that role. And then as we've grown, you know, he's then kind of more in like a COO kind of perspective. We're helping with, you know, the operational side of things where my husband's able to grow the investor base and the brand and those sort of things. So, you know, as we've evolved and then we're like, we need help. My husband can't raise money for every deal for himself anymore. He's getting pulled in a lot of directions. So this current syndication we have, we're actually raising money for right now. We have a team, you know, folks helping us and really part of the they're not necessarily fundraisers. They're really, we're calling them investor relationship people, you know, are part of our team and they're going to win along with us. So it's evolved. I don't think my personal opinion is that it's hard to grow like from zero to like 20 members of a team. Like you should grow organically and start to say, what am I really good at? I'm doing all this, but where can I maybe work with someone on this? Because this is needed and I'm just not A++ at it. So I think that's the key is to say, as you grow and you start to get into it, it's like, okay, where might I need help? You know, where am I not a genius at? Because I don't think everyone, especially in this business, can be a, a genius at many things. Honestly, take someone who's amazing in this business, who's doing really well, they're probably really, really, really good at one thing. And they're really good. They're amazing. Excuse me. They're amazing at one thing. And they're really good at like nine things. Because if you're good in this business, you know a lot about a lot of things. But my point is that you're usually like a genius, right? Like you can wake up in the middle of the night and do this. Usually there's one or two things. I bet one of those things that they're really, really good at is managing a team or hiring team members. Yeah. Just like yourself. And you have to grow into that because it's like, okay, how do we win alongside ourselves? Because you know how in the syndication world, in this apartment building complex, it's not like you have like all this money to like not do anything with, right? Because you're putting the money into the building. You're putting in money the assets. So you really need to start putting money aside to figure out, okay, how do we put money aside to manage our investors, to make sure we have enough money to, you know, pay for some help. And we're figuring that out as we speak, because I think it's an evolving thing for many people. It's not like, here's the business and this is how you do it. Like, you know, you might have the real estate experience, but building a business is different than real estate. It's in and of itself. So I think that's where people who have that business experience could just kind of run into this business and run with it because they built businesses before. That's great. But we kind of, I like to say, grew up in this business. You know, we kind of grew up in building a business in this space. So we've figured it out, you know, but I'm sure people take a lot shorter time than us. So I can relate to a lot of that. There's things like as far as your team, you don't know your need yet or you're not ready for, you know, six months from now, you're going to have a different view or vision for your team than you do today. And almost until you get there, like you don't know, you know, you just don't know what you don't know, right? And you want to start small, you know, and start small and really try to figure out, okay, how do we build together? Do we both have an entrepreneurial mindset? You know, and that's the big thing too, is somebody wants to get paid today. That's not how this business works, especially apartment building, uh, you know, syndication, you don't get paid today. You get paid as that asset stabilizes and all that good stuff. So mindset and kind of interests also play into it. Similar interests, similar values just entrepreneurial energy is important too. Well, taking a little shift, Liz, what's been the hardest part of the syndication business or process for you so far? I would say the biggest thing for us, we kind of grew our portfolio and had a rule early on that we would invest only 30 minutes from our home. So for the first many years of our investing, probably eight years, nine years, we only invested locally, only. And we were very 
like we wrote a lot of blogs on it. Like we were very committed to not ever investing where we couldn't be there quickly. So, and we built a team, what have you. But then you start to look around and go, okay, the local market is shifting. New Jersey, gotta love the taxes in New Jersey. Everyone that says you have property in New Jersey is like, how do you do that with property taxes? So, you know, we started to scratch our heads and said, okay, the return here isn't where we needed to be anymore. And we kind of want to diversify kind of where we were investing. So we started to go elsewhere, like many people, you know, they start to say this is this market in the Northeast is not making sense anymore. So that's at least where we were. And so then we take the step to invest. I'm going to answer your question. I just want to share this path because it's going to answer my question. Then we took the path of investing in about an hour and a half from our home, right? So then we were an hour and a half drive. The key to that process is that we had a, a local partner that was five minutes from that property. That's the 49 unit. He was five minutes. So if we couldn't be there, he was there, which was huge. Then we started to get into buying buildings, North Carolina and Kentucky, two states that we have some multifamilies, our larger, our larger buildings. And we've had to build the local boots on the ground, but we didn't have that at first. And I think that was probably one of the biggest challenges because we were so hands-on for so many years. And then we, you know, because of the market, because of the, we're not the only ones investing in the Southeast. There's just a lot of great returns and just a, you know, just great market there versus New Jersey, especially. So then we had to really think through the team, right back to the team. We had a property management team, but you know, to have people that have your interests. So I always suggest to people, if you're going to buy out of state, have obviously a, a wonderful and phenomenal property manager, because you're not going to be able to get there, obviously. But you also want somebody who has your interest, who's getting paid by you, the owner, not the property management team, because they're going to look at things the way they need to look at them. But if somebody has your interest is going to be boots on the ground and can go drive past the property once a week, walk around, see if there's trash on the playground, whatever is you know, coming up on that complex. But you need eyes on that property besides your property management team. That was not something we knew when we started. And that's something we've come to, to do now. We have people that kind of report to us in addition to um, property management team. So you think that, I mean, the hard part was really like just shifting that mindset from like being so strict that we're only staying local to really building a team or building a ways of investing at a distance. Yeah. And letting go of the control a little bit. We managed all of our own units. We had a team, but we still we were in charge of all that. So now you have to let go of some of the control. And when you let go of some of the control, they're not going to necessarily get back to your tenants as quickly as you may have. That was very hard. We didn't just go into syndications and never manage property ourselves. We managed everything ourselves. So that shift was tough, but we also knew to grow and to scale, you can't keep doing everything yourself either. What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Never giving up. <laughs> There's been a lot of, a lot of times, <laughs> countless times and some amazing times. You have such great wins, but there's been some times that you just, you know, you want to get your head and hang, bang it against the wall. But we're in this for the long term. We love real estate. We have, we always probably will. I mean, that doesn't mean it's the only asset class we'll be in, but we just, you know, it's a great, especially around tax season. I love real estate. But no, I, I really think never giving up because people, you're going to get knocked down. Anyone listening to this, I, no one just has complete wins all the time and roses and sunshine all the time. And if they do, then they're not growing. So you're going to get knocked down and you just can't give up. I like how you mentioned they're not growing if they're never getting knocked down. Yeah. So what's a way that you like to give back? Good question. We're actually in a shift right now with our giving back. We did a lot of work with our, the church that we were previously members of and we moved recently. So we've kind of joined a new church and we're finding ways to now really asking the question, how do we give back as a family? 
which, you know, I just actually had this conversation with my husband the other day. I'm like, we really need to like pick an organization, just start taking the kids. I have young kids, two-year-old and a five-year-old. So they're not going to completely get it, but they'll start getting it. So we're in the throes of figuring that out. But one thing I really love to do in giving back is I, you know, my good friend and partner, Andressa, we have a podcast and a community of helping women invest in real estate. So it's kind of a little bit, I mean, I think we're growing this community, but there's a little bit of me that's just a passion and, and a give back too. Awesome. And as far as the kids, yeah, you're building habits right now, right? You know, at two and five years old, I can relate to that. Yeah. For the four and six year old. And But on that, you know, on the podcast note, tell the listeners how they can learn more about you and listen to your podcast as well. Sure, sure. So from a like DeRosa Group, my husband and I's company is the DeRosa Group. It's derosagroup.com. You know, you can learn more about what we're up to there. In terms of the work that I'm up to with Andressa and our podcast is all about supporting women in this business and really getting them more educated and just women supporting women as in investors. So that is called The Real Estate Invest Her Show. And it's therealestateinvesther.com is our website. And then we have uh, meetups across the country that we, there's about 11 meetups that are investor meetups for women from Arizona to Florida to Pennsylvania now. So that's kind of neat. And then we're, we have a huge Facebook community of women just posting questions and helping one another. We've got a thousand members on there as well. So we're really, I feel like I'm part of creating a movement with other women, which is really, really cool. Great. Wow. You know, I really appreciate your time, Liz. You've been a great guest and just bringing your expertise from the corporate world into the into your old real estate business and then sharing with us today. And I like how you shared about how, you know, Matt was able to leave his job and just that, I think the crucial decision that you all made to not live like everyone else, you know, and if you had of, you know, you may have hung your own noose, you know, or him had to have come back to a corporate job and then maybe the real estate thing not work out like it has. That's right. You know? Absolutely. And so, yeah, I can relate to that as well. And just the three roles that you laid out, the hunter, the brains, the money, really like that. And we'll have also, you know, link to your all's podcast in the show notes. And I appreciate the listeners being with us today and listening to the value that Liz gave us today. I hope you all have learned and I hope you will go to the Facebook group, the Real Estate Syndication Show, so we can all learn from experts like Liz. And also go to LifeBridge Capital and connect with me. And we will speak with all of you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.